Welcome in, everybody, to Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. We are excited to announce we have a new title sponsor, One Wire Fiber, Utah-based company working with any size business for custom solutions to meet all your voice, internet, IT, other type of network type needs. So thank you to One Wire Fiber for jumping on board in support of what we think is authentic, organic, just kind of a different place to discuss everything Real Salt Lake. So Trey Fitzgerald, your host, Ryan Hale, your producer. Today's episode, very timely, we talk with a gentleman by the name of Sean Higgins. Sean is a agent. He's been a professional soccer agent for a little over 10 years and happens to represent Real Salt Lake's newest acquisition, Bobby Wood, the former U.S. men's national team striker who will be returning in the next uh, 60 days or so stateside from Germany. He's been playing with Hamburger SV, has uh, been collecting a, a mighty, mighty paycheck over there, but hasn't been seeing a ton of games lately. But he could be the number nine that Real Salt Lake is looking for to uh, replace Alvaro Sabarillo. So it's a, it's a target nine, as, as you'll hear. Real Salt Lake has been very good in recent years at creating a ton of chances, but the chance conversion in the box specifically from that point striker position has left something to be desired. And Ryan, when you heard the rumors over the last couple of months that Bobby Wood was on his way to the Wasatch Front, what uh, what went, what went through your mind? What kind of emotions to that did that evoke? Yeah, for the, for the last several years, I mean, we've been hearing that Bobby Woods had some interest in MLS, and you hear different rumors about that. And knowing how well he fits into what the needs of this team are, you know, it gets pretty exciting. So um, I, for one, am excited to see him come to MLS in general, but excited to see him on this this field. It is kind of, it's frustrating to watch, you know, some of those players that you have been, you, you get glimpses of. You know, Bobby Wood is a very good example of that, like a, a national team player you get glimpses of, and then in Europe they don't get the um, the playing time they need, you think? I mean... But, uh, you know, who knows what that situation is. I don't follow that league closely enough to to understand what's going on in the dem- dynamics of the team he's playing on. But um, I think he's probably going to be somebody who just needs that time on the field to to produce what, we, you know, he's shown he's capable of. I'm excited for it, for sure. Yeah, he's been playing professionally in Germany since uh, 2010 uh, when he was only 17 years old, playing for 1860 Munich both their first and second division teams, nearly 100 appearances uh, for that club. He was a teammate of Demir Krylox at Union Berlin in 2015 and 16 before moving to uh, Hamburger SV. Spent some time on loan to Hanover 96, where another prominent American, Steve Chirundolo, had a great, great history. Um, And he's had various appearances over the years, Uh, with the U.S. under-20, the U.S. under-23, and certainly the U.S. full national team, and 13 goals and 45 appearances uh, for the senior national team. I think that's what has everybody most excited. And as we get into in the podcast, he's had other opportunities to come back to the U.S. He's a Hawaiian um, 
born guy. He has a home in Southern California. That's where a lot of his family is. He's married um, now to a Danish woman. They're expecting a child um, coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the dissatisfaction with his role with the Hamburg Club. I think all this confluence of events uh, has has come together to, to bring him to Utah here uh, before the end of May, I think we hope, maybe early June. And because of the delayed start to the season as we get into with uh, with Sean, um, that presents an opportunity for him to only miss, you know, five to ten games. And hopefully that means he can put in uh, 20 to 25 games with RSL, maybe more considering uh, cup competitions, uh, playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But really a chance for him to uh, recapture his on-field career. This sounds like uh, a lifestyle move first and foremost, but also an opportunity for him to maybe get back in that national team picture with a good performance on the field. And again, he still has, you got to imagine, a lot left in the tank. He's still, um, you know, 28 years old. And, and uh, it's really exciting to kind of hear Sean's um, view of how that how that uh, deal came together, maybe dispel some notions about um, certainly obstacles that I feared might have gotten in the way of that deal. And um, 2021 shaping up to be an exciting year for Real Salt Lake, uh, not the least of which is uh, due to the impending arrival of Bobby Wood. All right, so on the other side, we'll hear from uh, domestic soccer super agent Sean Higgins. As we mentioned at the top of the show, One Wire Fiber is our new title sponsor for Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. And I personally, alongside Ryan, would like to just thank Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber for seeing the vision of our pod and seeing you know the, the differentiator that our content provides and them jumping on board in support of this show. One Wire Fiber is a Utah-based company They work with any size business to create custom solutions for all of your voice, internet, and other IT slash network needs. They're based in Midvale. You can call OneWire Fiber at 801-990-6200 or go online one, the numeral one, wirefiber.com. The right solution for your business. All right, welcome back in. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Extremely excited today to be joined by a guy that I've known for a long time. We'll get into how we met here in a little bit, but Sean Higgins. And uh, Sean is is the principal in a, in a very prominent American soccer agency representing players all over the world. Sean, thanks for hanging out with us today to talk a little uh, RSL. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, you and I met um, at a little cafe in Portland, Oregon, probably seven or eight years ago. And our good friend Brian Dunseth was uh, the reason for us meeting. Um, we could do a whole pod on your favorite Dunseth stories from his uh, three <laughs> semesters at Cal State Fullerton. But uh, but uh, I guess give the listeners a, a little uh, history lesson of, of how you and Dunny met and uh, became uh, teammates, friends uh, there in Titan Stadium. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I, I've known Brian for about 25 years now. Uh, we we were roommates. <laughs> we were roommates in college for for one year. Uh, we played one semester together, and then he went off to the under 20 national team. And uh, the you know the rest is, is history in terms of him going on and, and having a, a good career uh, with the youth national team and, and with uh, MLS. Uh, but we've maintained our friendship, and, and he's one of my best friends for almost 25 years now. And um, you were you were living in Portland, where you uh, I guess how quickly after your Timbers, I guess USL career, did you decide you wanted to be an agent, and how did that process ended up end up uh, coming together? Yeah, it was something that I kind of always wanted to do. And, and, you know, I thought that there was a, a niche that uh, at the time there, there weren't really any players with any sort of a playing background uh, that, that went into the agent world. And so I, I started the company immediately after I stopped playing in early 2010. Okay. And uh, yeah, fast forward, you know, we've, we've done some, pretty big deals with, with recognizable names, uh, with regards to MLS and, and doing transfers to Europe. Uh, we've since expanded into Mexico with Claudio Suarez, who has the most appearances all time for the Mexican national team. We've also expanded into Denmark with, uh, another recognizable name, John Jensen, who played at Arsenal and, and played for the Danish national team and coached with Michael Laudrup. Uh, so that's a little bit about our company. Wow, pretty cool. Um, and we'll get into some of the the details. I think we want to lead with the big news coming out of Salt Lake the last few days, which has long been rumored, but I think there's a palpable uh, sigh of relief and certainly a ton of excitement in the market that uh, you have delivered uh, Bobby Wood to Real Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, excited to finally have it come out and and uh seems like there's a bit of a buzz there locally for you guys and i think a lot of people are excited to see what he can do in the league yeah it's been it's been a while since rsl has had a uh, a true number nine up top i think uh Sabarillo obviously set a very high standard and, and and players like him are not easily replaceable but uh you know bobby wood a name familiar to to everybody who uh, loves the U.S. national team and, and, and follows the sport here domestically. I think uh, people are really excited that he's still in his prime and has an opportunity to come uh, to come play stateside really uh, for the first time uh, for him. So I guess if, if you could kind of walk us through how did, how did this come together? Because, uh, you know, obviously Bobby's had opportunities to come back to MLS in the U.S. Uh, I imagine more than anybody knows – um, over the last you know five or six years since he kind of burst on the scene onto the, onto the scene uh, with the men's national team. Yeah, so I've known Bobby for probably around five years, and uh, obviously he's he's been playing his entire career in Germany, uh, and then in around October, through one of our other clients that, that played with him in Germany, one of his good friends, uh, he reached out to us to see if we could help find him a team. Um, he's obviously playing at a, at a really big club in, in Hamburg, uh, over the last couple of years, it's been difficult to get on the field and he, uh, he felt like it was a good time for him and his family to come back to the United States. Uh, his wife is from Denmark and, and they've been living in, in different places in Germany. And, and to your point, you know, he's, he's been in the national team. He's, 
he's traveled uh, all over the world, uh, but he's never played in an MLS and his family is based in Southern California. And he just felt like it was the, the right time to make the move and, and to come back here. I think he has a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder and, and wants to show that, you know, he can still play at a high level. And uh, I think ultimately he hopes that, that it leads to getting back into the national team. Um, how much trepidation did either you or Bobby or both have to maybe kind of overcome due to kind of the current off-field status and situation surrounding Rail Salt Lake and its uh, future ownership? You know, that didn't really play much into it. Uh, obviously, I, I know from the club perspective, for them to sign players, you know, they have to run things by MLS and, and make sure that everything is approved. Um, for Bobby, you know, I think the bigger picture of, of being somewhat close to his family, which is in California, but being at a, at a club, and, and I think he mentioned this, that it, it kind of seems like it's a family. And, yeah. and I think for him, being in the, the cutthroat world of, of European football, specifically in Germany, it's such a big club. I think for him, it's important to to be wanted and to feel comfortable. And, and I know that he has a, a good relationship with Demir Krylak. Uh, they they played together previously, yeah. and I, I think once he spoke to Demir, it, it just seemed like it was the right fit. And I, I think you know he, he's taken everything into consideration from you know how will his family acclimate to to Utah, to the training facility, the, the stadium, the history of the club how Freddie likes to play tactically and, and how he'll fit into that. And, and just collectively, we felt like this was the best fit for him. Yeah. Reading uh, the piece in the athletic uh, by our good friend, Chris Camrani, where he uh, is able to kind of capture some of those conversations between Bobby Demir, uh, Nick Ramondo, obviously uh, from both sides. It was, I think really encouraging to, to kind of see that, that external perspective of of what we think is still a great club here um in salt lake obviously like you mentioned great facilities and really an opportunity uh for everybody to shine both uh collectively and individually and i think um you know there's probably not a lot of knowledge about um german soccer here in utah i mean obviously I think people see the random uh, Bayern Munich game, but I can't imagine people even you know knew what Union Berlin was before Demir got here a couple years ago. And now having uh, Bobby arrive from Hamburg, a great city. Um, obviously, Bobby's uh, been on a on, by MLS standards a pretty big number there, but um, and I don't know if it was uh, coaching changes or whatever. I, I think that's a constant topic that we that we talk about with with players is, is just finding that right fit. And hopefully Salt Lake is the, is the right fit uh, for Bobby. Yeah, I, I hope so. Obviously. And, and Bobby does as well. And, and I, I truly think that he will come back and find his groove and, and hopefully play at a, at a high level. Uh, I think the way that, that Freddie likes to play and, and uh, you know, the, the way that there's so many chances that are created for someone playing in that number nine position with Bobby's attributes, I, I truly think that he should thrive there. Yeah, um, and and Sean, I know you know maybe some of the these players aren't aren't yours, but it, it really does seem like um, 
RSL is is jumping in with both feet into a, a new era that has people excited here because you still have Albert Rusnak, Demir Krylak, uh, Pablo Ruiz emerged a little bit last year after his time uh, in Austria. You've got Everton Luis, and then you know Rubio Rubin is another newcomer, another former uh, U.S. national team uh, guy that that is looking for a fresh start. Comes very highly recommended from Landon Donovan based on. Uh, just five games uh, with with San Diego in the USL last year, and then you've got you know some young academy guys like Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera, who you know didn't do as well in Olympic qualifying as obviously they would have liked, but they've they've looked really good in MLS over over a longer longer period of time. David Ochoa coming on board, so I guess just um, what is what is your assessment as uh, obviously you know with a critical eye towards uh you know Pablo Mastroeni now as part of the staff another new addition uh without uh Ramondo and Beckerman who have been kind of uh the faces of this of this club for uh a dozen previous years obviously it's always going to be very difficult to replace guys like that they were tremendous players and and had a huge influence in the locker room uh, on and off the field for the organization and, you know, I think to your point, there's a, a fantastic core group of, of players on the roster. And you look at how well they did two years ago, going into the third place in the Western Conference. Yeah. And last year, you know, I think it was difficult for everyone with COVID. And, sure. and then you take into consideration the issues that were happening off the field with, with ownership. I, I just think that it was, it was difficult for them to replicate that. And now hoping that, that Bobby hits the ground running and, and is successful, uh, taking into consideration all of those other players that, that you mentioned, I, I think that they have a very good foundation to be successful for a couple of seasons moving forward. Yeah, it sounds like Bobby's got a lot on his plate uh, the next couple months to to extricate himself from Hamburg. He's got a, a pregnant wife that I think is due relatively soon, and then uh, they've got to move move everybody uh, from Europe to the U.S. Uh, as the world kind of emerges from a pandemic. So um, uh, I guess, uh, you know, obviously everybody wishing the best of luck to you and Bobby and the extended family to help make that happen. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the uh, the timing was was difficult to get him over sooner, with his wife being pregnant and just the different quarantine protocols in, in the respective countries. Uh, but once the the baby comes in early May, then they're looking to to get over here as as soon as possible. Yeah, and and as I've tried to talk a few people off the ledge I, with the with the later start for MLS this year and the compressed schedule really from late june onward it it seems like maybe there's uh there's some optimism that bobby shouldn't miss you know a ton of games so you know missing a single digit number uh hopefully knock on wood yeah hope so (laughs) um (laughs) um let's go a little bit bigger picture here sean obviously one of the reasons the season is starting late and and we'll have a compressed um kind of mid to late summer schedule is because the collective bargaining agreement uh, was reopened three times in the last last 12 months. So I guess what what is that like for you um, trying to kind of observe, gather information, talk your clients through uh, situations and and trying to kind of navigate uh, those 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 waters with with an ever changing MLS landscape? 
you know, I don't think it's fun for anyone. And it's a lot of you know late nights and, and guys making tough decisions. Uh, I think ultimately, you know, it was unexpected that they would have to do this again so quickly after doing it last year. Yeah. Uh, and and I think you know very unfortunate that that they had to go through that process again. Ultimately, I think everyone just wanted to get back to work and, and make sure that there was no no revenue loss for the the 2021 season. Um, you know, I think there's different ways to look at it and, and see, you know, who came out winning in the end, but ultimately, uh, you know, in conversations after the uh, CBA was finalized, it, it seemed like most of the players were just fed up with it and, and wanted to, to get it done and, and put it behind them and get back to work. Yeah. Um, where do you think MLS has made the most progress in the last I guess five to ten years because it's it's probably crazy and mind bending to think about all the things that have evolved as quickly as they have. Obviously, here in Salt Lake, we're we're I guess particularly partial to developing our own kind of homegrown players, and and obviously Dallas, Philadelphia, Red Bulls have have had more success than RSL moving players overseas, but RSL's done, I think, a good job of moving academy players into USL contracts, into college scholarships, and and, and now we're starting to see a, a wave kind of emerge with, with MLS contracts. So um, I guess that's a that's a very big open-ended question to uh, getting kind of your thoughts on, on, on the future of MLS and maybe where it's come from, where it's going, and, and how integral to a to a changing global landscape is the development of young players it it's incredible what the league has done in such a short period of time if if you look back 10 15 years ago you know there were there were conversations about whether or not the league would sustain and there were organizations that either moved markets or ultimately folded some eventually rebranded uh, and then you have all of this growth that that's happened over the, the last seven, eight years and, and all these expansion teams that have come into the league, the uh, different approaches to, to your point, uh, you know, there are a few clubs that are very good at, at developing players and integrating them into their team. And, and then there's now there's teams that are buying foreign players for $10 million. Right. And, and so I think, we're seeing what you see around the rest of the world. You know, there, there are teams in England that do a much better job at developing their players and, and integrating them and, and eventually selling them to, to bigger teams, but they can sustain the success. Then there are teams that, that invest you know, 50 to a hundred million dollars on one player. And, and so I think that's what we're starting to see here in MLS. There's a bit of a separation in terms of how teams do it. Uh, but Salt Lake has always been one of the best at, at producing talent and, and finding talent. And uh, even though they haven't necessarily reaped the benefits of, of transferring players overseas, there's been a few that have come through their academy that have gone on and, and gone to some pretty big clubs yeah. and are playing in the youth national team, full national team. And so it's been great to watch. And I think you're only going to see more talent come here. We have calls every day from from players, from clubs around the world, and they're all very excited about what's happening here. How difficult is it for you in your position? And I assume it's just a case by case basis, right? Because you've got 
You've got young players that have European dreams, and it's it's Europe or bust. You've got other players that that maybe aren't ready either from a off field or on field or both standpoint to make that leap and and need to um you know kind of excel at an academy level and then a usl level and then an mls level and it's filtering out all those voices and and finding the right fit and then as we've seen in countless situations uh, a change in a in a in a head coach or a manager or a technical director or a sporting director at a particular club can completely derail somebody's path. So I, I guess, um, you know, one of the questions I always have, you know, there are RSL Academy products that have gone overseas and all RSL really has to show for it right now is that, Hey, we've got rights to these guys if they decide to come back to the U S but I think the perception is that if they come back to the U S before they're 25, that, they've failed somehow in Europe. And that's, I, I guess none of those perceptions are, they're very simple and not accurate at all. If, if, if I'm making sense. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly makes sense. And, and I think it, it's difficult to, to speak to every player. You know, yeah. Everyone's different and, and everyone ultimately makes a decision regarding their career path and, you know, there are some guys that might want to come home after playing in, in Europe for six, seven years and, and still want to, to show what they can do in, in their peak. Uh, you know, then there are other players that, that might not have any desire to come back to MLS at all. And, and you know, you look at Jeff Cameron, for instance, you know, he's right. I, I can't speak to all the details regarding his career, but you know, he's not, it doesn't look like he's going to finish his career here. And so, you know, certainly a guy that's, that started here and, and has a, had a phenomenal career and, and a lot of success overseas, but you know, it doesn't look like he'll come back here. And, and so that's fine. You know, that, that, that happens. And, and, you know, I, I don't think every player is, is destined to come back here. And, and even guys that start their career in Europe, they might not be good enough to, to come back here. I mean, you see that yeah. a lot now. There, there are a lot of these kids that are going to Germany they're, they're not making it, and then they find it difficult to get any sort of interest from MLS. What, um, I guess, what's the hardest part of your job when you're helping these, these players at different stages of their career navigate their paths? Is it, is it, is it being bluntly honest with them? Is it, is it filtering out the other voices that are in their ear that are trying to steer them a certain way? I think, yeah, of course, there's always people that, that are trying to get to players and tell them that they should do something different, whether it's on social media yeah. and, and being fans or you know, maybe it's other agents, maybe it's, it's their peers, maybe it's other teams making contact. Um, ultimately, you know, we are always transparent. We, we tell the player the information that we receive from their particular club, you know, we evaluate what their level is and, and, you know, we, we try to put them in the best place uh, where they can make the most money ultimately, but also thrive and, and have the most success on the field. So, you know, every player has a, di a different path and there are players that, that might be cut from one team and, and another team, brings them in and, and then they go on to have an amazing career. And, and, you know, one example of that is Aaron Long. You know, we had him at, at Portland Timbers. We had him at Seattle Sounders. 
and he went to New York Red Bulls and it was just the right fit for him. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's gone to, to play for the national team and, and has done quite well in the league. You know, Dunny constantly talks about this, whether it's on air and broadcast or any one of the 57 uh, radio podcast appearances he does each week where he's talking about <laughs> just how, you know, we never know what's going on off the field with a particular uh, player's life situation, whether it's parents, spouses, kids, uh, whatever. I guess, you know, based on my career and I've seen countless people in different roles have to kind of be that sounding board, that friend, that psychiatrist or whatever. I imagine that's a big part of your your job description for your clients as well. Uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, first we, we try to be their friend and, and, you know, offer them advice based on our experiences and, and, you know, give them the, the good and the bad information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly <laughs> I, I don't consider myself a psychiatrist or a psychologist, <laughs> but you know, we, we are there, we're a, a shoulder to lean on and, you know, anytime they need anything, we're, we're going to do anything we can to, to try to make sure that they continue to, to see success in their career and, and uh, do whatever we can to help them. Um, when you and Dunny uh, lived together in college, could you have imagined that he would go on to do all the various and sundry things he's done in, in uh, the soccer U.S. landscape over the next 20, 25 years? <laughs> Honestly, at that time, I think when we first met, it was the first season of MLS. And so for us growing up in, in Southern California, there was no league to to watch. There were no really you couldn't find any sort of information about players to aspire to. You know, the Internet wasn't prevalent. The, the, the games on TV were not there. Um, and so honestly, I, I don't think either of us would have predicted this but you know after knowing him for so long and and his personality and just the way that he looks at things and uh, of course I, I I'm not surprised by his level of success and we were talking about it the other day he was one of the first players or, or former players to to jump into the media side and yeah. you know at the time there were a lot of us that, that knew him that were surprised just because it was kind of new, but he's done very well for himself and he's a good guy, as you know. And I think ultimately if, if you're a good person in any industry, you're, you're going to have success because people are going to want to work with you. Yeah. I'm obviously biased. I think he's the best um, at what he does and he does it in a way that I think is refreshingly genuine and honest and, um, you know, the way he uses social media, I think, for good is uh, particularly refreshing, uh, yes. you know, the way it's uh, it's become such a, a toxic place. But um, I guess uh, a couple more questions before we get get you out of here, Sean. But uh, what um, you know, what do you think the biggest selling point is for um, for Real Salt Lake? Is it the academy facilities? Is it the philosophy? Is it people like Dunny and Tony Beltran and Elliot Fall and some of the other people that are in and around the club that that are carrying that family culture ethos etc forward what makes what makes this organization attractive for certain uh, clients of of yours and others that that, that want to uh, build their careers 
Great question. You know, I, I think anyone that's an MLS fan understands that there's a lot of attention on the bigger markets such as LA and New York and now Miami. Yeah. And of course, when we talk to international players, those are always the first markets that they mention. But I, I think it's important for these guys to understand, you know, it's, it's all about the success of the organization that you're going to that will ultimately lead to your success. And there are a lot of these teams that, that bring in people that are making decisions and, and some are good and, and some are bad. Um, but with Salt Lake, you know, very consistently, they've always had people making those decisions that, that know what they're doing, that are good people and, uh, and bring in, you know, good players and, and good staff. And I think for the better part of the last 15 years, they, they've been pretty successful. So I, I think, when we communicate that to, to foreign players, if we're trying to have a discussion about Real Salt Lake versus some of those bigger markets, I think it starts to resonate. And, and I think they appreciate that there's a history there, that it's a, a great city and, and great place to raise a family, that you know there's been success in, in recent time. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. the 2019 season being third in the Western Conference, that's not easy to do. And, and I think, you know, you see some of these other guys that have come over like Krylak or, or Rusnak, yeah. um, you know, some of these guys, they're, they're still being looked at, you know, uh, from other teams around the world. And, and so I, I think that's important. Guys, if they're younger and, and they're going to come to MLS, you know, maybe they don't want to stay here forever. But if you go to a team that's successful, ultimately they, they know that people will be watching them. Um, has, has the recent i guess surge in mls's evolution towards becoming i guess a quote-unquote selling league um how has that i guess a benefited is probably the wrong word but has that given uh, you and your colleagues um a new approach on uh i guess exporting uh american-based players yeah of course i mean there's there's a lot of interest now in the the young talent here and everything is constantly evolving and and MLS now, you know, they're looking to bring over young foreign players that are 22 and under. And now it it appears that there's an interest in young American players to to move overseas. And it wasn't like that five years ago. And so, of course, you know, for us, uh, a focus is certainly doing both, you know, bringing over these players from these other markets where we're strong and, and trying to bring them here to MLS. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of teams that, that look to us for the, the certain markets that, that we operate in. Um, but then there's also uh, an interest all over the world now for, for these young Americans because you see them go over and, and do quite well at, at big clubs and in big leagues and I think that the focus is starting to change uh, and, and they're starting to come here for talent. Is, is it, am I wrong in having, I guess, a perception that a young American player is, has a perceived value that is higher overseas than it is here in MLS? I, I, I know that's an extremely on... broad statement and it's dangerous, <laughs> but I, I, I think it depends on what market you're talking about. Okay. You know, if you if you go to the Premier League, it, it's the, the the top level, and you know these teams are looking 
at players from all around the world. And, and so, you know, they, money doesn't matter. And, right. and so, you know, they, they might look at an American player as being subpar compared to a Brazilian player. And, and they're just used to paying more for a Brazilian player. So uh, honestly, it just depends uh, on who the player is. You look at Alfonso Davies and, you know, I think before that transfer, if you're talking about the, the value of, of what he went for, which I think was around $14 million, no one would have expected that. That was right. astronomical. And, and then you look at how well he's done at a team like Bayern Munich, and it, it starts to make sense. And, and you know, certainly there are other players that will come from this league that will leave for that, that amount. You, know, you look at Daryl DK and, and how well he's doing and, and the numbers that are being thrown around, it, it's – it's not like it used to be, you know, you're not going to come here and, and get a, a bargain anymore. Um, but we also don't know how well these players will adapt uh, w- when they go. And so it just, it really depends on, on who the player is, what team is looking uh, and, and obviously which team is selling because some, some teams value their players more than others. And, and you, you know, you look at FC Dallas and they're willing to let their players go as long as it makes sense for them and, and for the player. Uh, other teams are, are not ready to do that yet. So it just, it really depends on, on the player and, and the timing and, and the teams. Well, it's funny because I, I used to talk about this a lot when I was in Austria is, you know, it's common around the world for a club's primary revenue stream to be players. And it's such a foreign concept, I think, for us, but like you're just seeing it with Dallas especially in these pandemic-affected years where there's no attendance and there's no sponsorship, or lower sponsorship, I should say. There's no real media value. I mean, they are they are making a killing selling their young academy players for six, seven figures, high seven figures, right? So, um, And this has all changed so quickly in probably less than five years. Uh, it was only less than a generation ago where... You know, we're hearing stories that Landon Donovan couldn't get the ball in Leverkusen training because there was such disrespect for an American. And he's the best we had to offer, right? So um, it's insane. The, the perception has, has definitely changed. And, and you look, uh, obviously, Christian Pulisic is a, a great example of someone that went over there and thrived and did well. And, and I think that's why there's such an emphasis on Americans going to Germany. Uh, but Bobby Wood started his career much earlier than Christian did. And, you know, he had to, to start at a, at a lesser team and work his way up to, to where he's at now at, at Hamburg. And, and so, you know, the perception has definitely changed for the young American players. There, there's a, a hunger for them now in, in Europe and a lot of teams. Um, but I don't think we're fully there yet. I think yeah. there's certainly room for improvement. You know, I mentioned Brazilian players, there's Argentinian players, you know, the, the top teams are constantly watching those markets. And I think you're starting to see that here, uh, but we're not there yet. Um, you know, Matt Taylor recently joined the staff here in Salt Lake, and he's a guy that had spent a lot of time in Germany, both as a player and as a coach in third division, second division, and Bundesliga. I, I, I should know this, but do you have any recollection if he and Bobby ever crossed paths uh, materially over there? I don't know yeah. if if they were in contact uh, when they were over there playing, but they're from a similar part of Southern California, and, and I think they played for the same youth team. Oh wow! Okay, uh, I know Matt Taylor's fluent in German, and 
And yeah. so I'm sure there will be a, an instant connection there, especially because they both played to a similar position. So yeah. hopefully that will, will help to make Bobby feel comfortable and, and thrive with Salt Lake moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that there's a ton of people here, and I think the club generally does a good job helping everybody assimilate, whether they're from uh, near or far or anywhere in between. Sean, uh, last question, and we'll let you get out of here. But, um, I mean, where do you predict or see, if you can, um, you know, where, you know, some of the more impactful things uh, in and around MLS, let's say coming out of the 2026 uh, World Cup, which we we think would be a massive accelerator for everything uh, North American soccer? Great question. <laughs> I, I, I don't know the answer. I, I think that everyone is really excited for that to, to ultimately be here, and, and it's not that far away. I think that the level of MLS continues to get better every year. And I think you'll, you'll see that, you know, eventually we'll, we'll start to be competitive, hopefully with some of these bigger leagues in Europe and, and some of the, the better leagues and, and teams in central and South America. Uh, so I, I, I expect that to happen, you know, to your point earlier, I, I think there's going to be a, a lot of young players that are going to be, attractive for these teams in Europe for, for big teams. And you'll continue to see Americans leave before they start their MLS career or, or start their MLS career as a homegrown and, and get bought. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more attention for sponsors and, and you know, these big brands are, are certainly starting to see that, that soccer can make it here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think they'll want to be a part of it going into the world cup. And maybe that's with MLS, maybe that's uh, with, you know, through the, through FIFA. Um, but there's, there's definitely an appetite for the event here. And I think being a North American event is going to be very exciting. And, and I think you'll, you'll see the best of the best in terms of, putting on events and, and the yeah. production of it. And, and I think even talking to people around the world that, that work at very big clubs, everyone has always said that Americans do it best in, in terms of the production value and, and the attention that goes into our sports. And so I, I think everyone has kind of inevitably expected that there would be so much growth in the game here and, and with the league. Great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time. Can't wait to have the world continue to open up a little bit enough for uh, you to make that quick flight from Portland down to Salt Lake. And uh, we look forward to hosting you either uh, at Rio Tinto or uh, somewhere in Utah. Um, we look just uh, look forward to catching up with you again face-to-face soon, Sean. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on and, uh, we'll, we'll definitely speak soon. Okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll check in later in the year about, uh, about, uh, Bobby's revelatory uh, experience with RSL this year. <laughs> <laughs> I- I'm looking forward to it. And then, uh, that's when we'll get into the embarrassing Dunny stories that, that everybody can't <laughs> wait to hear from you. We can do a couple episodes with that. <laughs> right on. Right on. Thanks so much, Sean. Have a, have a great kickoff to your MLS season. Thanks, Ray. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. Right, that is the latest version, edition of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, now presented to you by One Wire Fiber. Go to the number one wirefiber.com 
for all of your medium, small, large business IT needs. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us, and please do, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Claret Cobalt, C-L-A-R-E-T-C-O-B-A-L-T. We are always up for some banter, for omissions, corrections, guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories, or whatever. You can also share your RSL memories at anchor.fm slash claret and cobalt. Press that message button. We'd love to hear from you. This show, independently produced by Trey Fitzgerald and Mountaineer Media, recorded at Mountaineer Studios in Draper, Utah. The views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.